I can honestly say I've received a warm welcome this morning in more ways than one. It's uh, wonderful to be here. I love your church. It just has wonderful history to it. I thought my home church, Fond Hill Baptist, 173 years old, and I think this church might even be older. I'm not sure, but it's a great, a great heritage. Uh, when I first heard that this song was going to be sung this morning, uh, and by the way, I don't need to preach anymore because that song said it all, but I will anyhow. I was uh, thinking maybe Alan just did that song for the message. I was quite impressed. But he said, no, that song had been, the Lord gave him that a while back. And just earlier, I was making the tour. I was here a bit early. And uh, if you look at the stained glass window, one, two, the third one back, uh, some of you will have to turn around to see it. But that's a beautiful visual of the Lord sowing the seed. And that's exactly what we're going to look at this morning. I want to thank uh, Pastor Steve and the leadership here for this invitation. It's a privilege to be with you. I've, had, I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know Pastor Steve and Amanda and uh, my other friend at the back here who attends the ministerials. Um, I had met Steve before. Um, when we had the Negra Challenge, one of our topics one year was um, secular humanism. And we were looking for someone with a testimony from an atheistic background. And someone heard that Steve had a wonderful testimony. And so he came and blessed us uh, that way at our Negra Challenge several years ago. And then I started noticing in Christian magazines that Steve was writing articles. And as you know, very gifted in writing articles. And so we have a little rota now for the three dailies in Niagara, the St. Catherine Standard, the Niagara Falls Review, and the Welland Tribune. And Steve takes his turn once every two months to write an article. And that's reaching out into about 40,000 homes. And so that's, that's a wide, a wide uh, range. So I appreciate your pastor very, very much. Um, already you've heard a little bio sketch of uh, how the Lord led me into uh, pastoring and into mission work. Um, I actually prayed a prayer of commitment at one point, and I said, Lord, I really want to be a, a lawyer or a high school history teacher but I want to surrender my life to you and my career to you and my relationships to you. But then I added this PS. I said, Lord, I really don't want to be either a pastor or a missionary. Amen. Now, when you surrender, um, do your best to surrender your life to the Lord. That just frees him up to do some remarkable things. And within one year... My desire to be a lawyer or a high school history teacher changed to really having a great desire to be a pastor. And missions wasn't on the screen yet, but uh, when I was at Acadia, I heard about this mission, OM, and I thought I'll join up for one year. 
and I'll get a bit of missions exposure. I'll rush back to Canada and I'll promote missions as a pastor for the rest of my life. Well, that was 37 years ago and I'm still half time with OM. And by the way, one of the great um, benefits sometimes of being with a group of committed Christian young people and young adults is that the Lord leads you to your life mate. And that's how I met my wife, Birgitta, from Finland. And uh, OM became for us Operation Matrimony. So, um, and one other thing before we launch into the message. How many of you remember Dr. Orville and Blanche Daniel? Ah, quite a few of you. I would say about half of you. That's a linking, that wonderful couple is a linking between Queen Street and Fond Hill Baptist. Because Orville, Dr. Daniel, was our interim pastor at the point when I was struggling with some of these career vocation decisions, and he gave me very good advice. And uh, I really appreciate them. They had all of our church family in Fond Hill, not at one time, but to their home for a wonderful curry dinner, and they would have families come over, and uh, of course they've been in heaven for quite some time. So uh, praise God for people like them, and I know this was their home church for, for many years. So let's just commit our, the next few minutes to the Lord in prayer. Father, as you look into our hearts today, may you find hearts that are open, hearts that are teachable, hearts that want to hear your voice speaking to us by your spirit and through your word. So we commit this time to you. This is your time. Blessed to us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to, by the way, we didn't forget the scripture reading, but I'm going to incorporate it in my message. And so if you have your Bibles with you or your devices, I always have to add that uh, today, devices, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus here, the master storyteller, is telling a well-known story, parable, But the amazing thing about this story is that every single person is in it. Each one of you here today is in this story. In fact, an even more amazing thing is everybody in world history, any human being who's ever lived, is in this story. It's an incredible story. We call it the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And uh, I want to thank whoever put the bulletin together. You have an outline of it in your bulletin. So if you want to turn to the outline, and uh, you can just follow along. But you need, it's in, this is going to be a little interactive. You have to add four words, as at least four words, as we go through it. So uh, let's look at the first part here which talks about hard soil. We already heard a beautiful song about this. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, 
And I'm going to read the first four verses. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house, this would be in the town of Capernaum, and he sat by the lake, and that would be the Sea of Galilee. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. I'm very happy to have a good sturdy pulpit in front of me, but I can't imagine trying to preach from a boat. But there were so many people, Jesus actually had to get into a boat to speak to this large crowd. While all the people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables, and this is what he said. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, Some fell along the pathway, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, in many of Jesus' stories, he doesn't tell the meaning. But in this particular story, he very clearly explains the meaning. And so, if you skip ahead to verse 18, he gives us the exact meaning. Verse 18. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's Satan or the devil, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the pathway. So the question I want to ask, and by the way, the blank there. This isn't too difficult. It's the word hard. So hard soil on the path simply means hard hearts. And so if you have your pen, write in the word hard. Somebody with a hard heart. So I ask myself two questions. What does this look like locally? And what does this look like globally? And I'm going to have Connie now. Um, I'm really glad to have a tech person here, and she's going to pop up, Lord willing. Uh, here we go. This diagram, which is my favorite diagram. When I was a student at Western, I was impacted by a ministry called the Navigators. Anybody ever hear of the Navigators? It's a lot like uh, campus, Power to Change and InterVarsity, and they reach out to university students. And I was a lukewarm university student. I was not a committed uh, Christian. When I had this explained to me the first time, and how we need to cross over from the left to the right, and how central the cross of Jesus is. It's not through our good works. It's not through our religious works. It's the cross of Jesus. I thought, this is so clear. And I realized that I was a Christian. That guy looks pretty happy, doesn't he? He's praising the Lord there. But I had just gone over, I was a very young Christian, and I realized I had a lot of growing to do. And I began to grapple with the lordship, the leadership of Jesus in my life. But here's another thing the Lord taught me from this. It's not only a tremendous diagram for sharing the gospel with someone, but it's also a tremendous diagram for Bible study. You take any passage of the Bible... And you say, I wonder where that key idea, that key word fits on this framework. 
And after you study the passage or the chapter, you'll have a visual of it. And so I've used this for many years now, not only in sharing the gospel, we call it the five great truths of the Bible. And it rotates between God's nature, to man's problem, to God's solution, to man's response, and then God's reward. But today I'm going to use this framework as we look at these four soils, these four hearts. And it's, it's a little hard to read all at the bottom there, but um, maybe afterwards you can come up and, and read it. What does this look like locally? Well, some of you might be saying, well, that was me. Maybe if Pastor Steve was here and he thinks back to his atheistic days, he would say, that was my heart, a hard heart. I didn't believe there was a God. We think of atheists. I think of perhaps international students that have come from countries where it's not easy to be a Christian or there aren't very many Christians. I'm thinking of communist countries, Muslim countries, Hindu countries, Buddhist countries, and they come here having heard something completely different about the gospel. Or they've never heard the gospel. They've never even heard it for the first time. Oswald J. Smith, that great missionary pastor from Toronto, he founded People's Church. He said, we talk about the second coming. Half of the people in the world have never heard about the first. And we realize, we're challenged when we realize that about a third to a half of the people in the world today have never heard the good news about Jesus. So that, that's hard hearts. They've never, they've never heard. Or if they have heard... They haven't heard it very clearly. Down the road here in St. Catharines, there's a mosque. I've been to that mosque several times. I take groups of Christians. If any of you want to visit your local mosque, I'd be happy to arrange it. And people say, that must be really hard to get into those places. A mosque, a Hindu temple, a Buddhist temple, a Sikh Gurdwara. Actually, the answer is no. It's not hard at all. We, we phone them up. We're very honest. We say, we're a group of Christians. We're studying your religion on this particular day. Could we come and have a visit at your religious site? We like to have a little tour, and then we like to have a Q&A time. Because we'd like to get our answers directly from you, not just from books. And guess what their answer is every time? Their answer is always, that's a great idea. Oh, you're welcome. And they even serve us refreshments sometimes. We don't ask for it. And at the end, and we can sow little seeds of witness as we ask our questions. We can say, well, we believe Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. What do you believe about Jesus? And you're sowing little seeds of witness. And at the end... We give them a gift. Guess what the gift is? It's a Jesus DVD in multiple languages, including Arabic. It's a Bible, maybe in English and Arabic. And in that culture, you don't refuse a gift. And they graciously receive it. And we pray that they'll read it. So these these are examples of perhaps hard hearts. Globally, what does this look like? Well, I think of the 1040 window. How many of you have heard of that term, the 1040 window? Several of you. 
So if I'm looking right at a beautiful world map as I look at the back here. So it forms a window, a huge part of the world, going from the 10th degree latitude to the 40th degree latitude, which is above the equator, from West Africa to Southeast Asia. That is a big chunk of the world. And that's where you find the homeland, the main uh, strongholds of Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, Buddhism, Confucianism, a lot of other isms. They're all there. It's the neediest part of the world physically and spiritually. And I think that is hard soil. The mission that we've been with for these many years, 37 years, has a vision statement and it says this. We want to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reached. And that means the hard places, the hard soil of the world. But I want to encourage you with this. In the last few decades, there has been, in some parts of these of this, these hard soil, revivals taking place. Here are three examples. In the Muslim world, in the country of Iran, there are more Iranians coming to faith today and in the last few years than ever before. And some people are even using the word revival. This is Muslim Iran we're talking about. You think of the Hindu world, and you think of what country? India. Amongst the untouchables, the Dalits of India, there's a revival going on. Thousands and thousands of these Dalits are realizing they have no future in Hinduism, and they're coming to Christ. And missions like OM are building schools and churches to help them. And then I think of the Buddhist world. In the year 1900, South Korea was almost completely Buddhist. Very few Christians. If you go to South Korea today, some of the largest mega churches in the world are in South Korea. And they're sending out missionaries. And OM has been blessed with many missionaries coming from South Korea. So, is God limited when it's a hard part of the world, hard soil? No, he's not. His spirit can break up that hard soil. Let's move on quickly here to the second one. I'm reading now from verse 5. Jesus continued, Some of that seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Skip down now to verse 20, and Jesus gives us the explanation. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The word here for rocky soil, you can write in the word nominal. If you have your pens there. The first one was hard hearts. This one is nominal hearts. 
And by the way, I, I must have mixed up the, the numbering system there. That, that should be one, two, three, four in your handout, not five, six, seven, eight. So we're talking here, number two, this is nominal hearts. So here's the same question. What does this look like locally? And what's it look like globally? Well, some of you might identify with this and say, that was me. And I can, I can relate to that. If the hard heart is on the far left, far from the Lord, the nominal heart is very close to the cross, but still on the wrong side, on the left side. When I was a kid growing up in a Baptist, a good Christian family, if you had said to me when I was 10 years old, Rob, are you a Christian? Guess what I would have said? Well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm a good kid. I don't swear like the kid down the road, and I don't read the wrong magazines like my friend over here. And I was thinking Christian meant being trying to be good. But I was nominal. I had never really understood the gospel that I needed a savior. I was a sinner like everybody else. A lot of my sins were hidden in my head, but God could see them. I was selfish, I was proud, I was greedy, all these things, and I desperately needed a Savior. And so I was nominal. I would say most Canadians were thinking about our country today, and thank God for our country. It's not perfect, but it is a great country. And we can thank the Lord for many things. I would say most Canadians are exactly here. And I think of international students. This past year, we've had the privilege of reaching out with a little team called Brock Focus and uh, reaching out to international students at Brock and Niagara College. I live about two miles from the Welland campus of Niagara College. And 45% of the enrollment at Niagara College is guess what? International students. Can you believe that? 4,000 out of 9,000 students, and that these are both campuses, Welland and Niagara-on-the-Lake, are international students. What an opportunity. And there's a couple thousand more at Brock. A lot of these students, if they come from, let's say, a Catholic background or an Orthodox background, Some of them might be born-again Christians, but for many, it's just a routine. They grew up that way. And like me, they think they're Christians, but they've never committed their life to the Lord. Globally, what does this look like? Well, you think of a, a continent like Europe that has state churches. My wife, Brigitte, comes from Finland. The Lutheran Church is the state church in Finland. So if you're Finn, you say, I'm Lutheran, I was born Lutheran, I must be a Christian. But guess what? There's no hard surrender, there's no repentance, there's no trust in the Lord as your Savior. And so many people from these types of countries, we think of the state church in France is the Catholic Church. And we used to meet so many French people when we were missionaries there for three years, and you'd, you'd talk about God, and they'd say, that doesn't interest me. It's like they were inoculated against the gospel, and, and they weren't interested. But you'd say, well, what are you? Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm a good French Catholic. You think of the Church of England in, in England. You think of the Russian Orthodox Church. In three weeks, I'll be on a plane 
going over to Russia with a small little team from Welland, and we're heading to an area of Russia and the western part of Georgia where the Russian Orthodox Church is the main church. But we're going to meet a lot of people who are this. They're nominal. And this is what Jesus called rocky soil. We've got to move on here quickly. Let's go down to number three now. Thorny soil, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Very short. One verse. You skip down to verse 22, and Jesus says this. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. What do you think of? I think of Canada. I think of many people in Canada. And so we ask the same question. What does this look like locally and globally? I would say that most Canadian believers are here, and I would put the third one here right where the guy is. They're Christians. They've made that decision, just like me when I was a student at university, but they really haven't gone anywhere. They haven't grown. And so the blank here would be words like uncommitted, compromised, lukewarm, half-hearted. Sadly, I believe most Canadian believers would fall here. And this is the danger of living in a country where it's easy to be a Christian. No one's going to come through the back door this morning and threaten us with a gun. That does take place in other parts of the world. We live in a very materialistic society. You get bombarded with messages every single day. Buy this, buy that. This will make you happy. And sometimes that thinking creeps into our minds and into our churches. And Jesus says we become unfruitful. Globally, what does this look like? Again, I think of parts, not only North America, but parts of Europe that used to be strong, sending out missionaries, but now not very strong at all. Romans 12, verse 2. I love this verse. Jesus, or Paul, inspired by God, says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He's speaking to this. And I like the way that the Phillips paraphrase puts it. It says, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Because the world wants to do that. It wants to squeeze the fruitfulness right out of you. But Jesus said to us, you cannot have two masters. You can only have one master. Well, Jesus left the best to the last. And so let's look at the last. This is the good soil. Let's read verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And then the explanation, you look down to verse 23. Jesus says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word. Okay, we've heard that before. But this time, they understand it. They, take, they embrace it. They take it to heart. 
This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the good soil. And on the diagram, I would put the good soil on the far right. This is the person who's not content just to be a Christian, but there's been some growing. There's been maturing taking place. And if you see the person getting taller as they grow spiritually, guess what? Their vision gets greater. And when they look back, they begin to realize, hey, there's a lost world out there. There's people in my neighborhood, in my city, in the world who need the Lord. And I need to be praying and giving and going. And their vision becomes greater. Again, we ask the question, what does this look like locally? Well, I would say some Canadian believers, probably a good number, but not most, but some are here. Hopefully you and I can say that that represents my heart. And the word to fill in there with your pen is the word committed. We've looked at the hard heart. We've looked at the nominal heart. We've looked at the, what was the third one? The uncommitted heart. And this is now the committed, surrendered heart. This is the person who says, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use my time. Use my talents. Use my treasure. This is the Lord who's, this is the person who says, Lord, grow the fruit of your spirit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, all those beautiful things. And if those things are growing in your life, guess what? People will be attracted not just to you, but to the one that you serve. And that will lead to a different type of fruit, evangelistic fruit. You'll have the joy of leading other people to faith as well. Globally, when I think of this one, I often think of persecuted countries. A year ago, my wife and I went to Cuba for the first time. And if you go to a church in Cuba, there's very few churches that will look like this. They look more like sheds, garages, little huts, very poor. But you meet those believers and they're vibrant. They're committed. And you say, what are your plans for your community? And they'll say, we're planting prayer groups here, here, and here. And we're praying that they'll become churches. They have vision. They're dirt poor. But their hearts love the Lord. And this is in communist Cuba we're talking about. I think of the global south where we used to send our missionaries to the global south. Guess what? There's more believers in the global south than in the west now. There's been a tilting of the body of Christ and there's many more believers in that part of the world. But here's a sobering fact. Every week around the world there's approximately 11 martyrs. People who are willing to give up their lives for their faith. And they refuse to denounce, renounce their faith. Often this good soil is in parts of the world where there's persecution. And it costs something to be a Christian. So as we wrap up this morning, let me just say this. And this is written in your bulletin. Obviously, the key question Jesus wants us to ask is this. Which soil are you? 
And what that means is, what does your heart look like? Which one of those four? We're all in there somewhere. And then the final question is, which one does God want us to be? And so wherever you put yourself, our prayer is that the Lord will just help us. And even if you're already a fruitful soil and, and you're, you're fruitful in your life, that you'll have a desire to even grow further. Because until the day we die, we should want to continue to grow to give glory to God.